Amen. Won't you stand with us today? If you got your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 127. I want to jump right into the Word of God today. Psalm 127. Psalm 127. If you could turn the mic down just a little bit, please. Thank you. I don't want to. I get excited in a few minutes. I don't want to hurt anybody's ears. Amen. Psalm 127 and verse 1. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord today? I want to preach to you this morning, and uh, I promise you, just stick with it. You will get something out of this. But we're in the middle of a series, or actually ending a series, called This Is My Story. We've had four different people the last, uh, actually five people the last five weeks give part of their story and talk about that. And this morning, I want to talk to you about this is our story and something that the Lord kind of laid on my heart a few weeks ago. And uh, I just want to go through this one verse of Scripture, Psalm 127. Verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word does not return void. That your word is a seed planted in our hearts. That your word makes all the difference. So, Father, right now, as we are listening to your word, I just pray that our hearts are stirred. May we be changed. May something inside of us come alive. Be awakened to what you want to do in us and through us. And, Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in hearts and lives. And, Father, I just pray that you continue to do it. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that right now as you taught us to pray. And we thank you for this time together. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people together said, Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I get to sit by you and you may be seated. Many of you know that I, I recently went to, to New York City, and while I was there um, listening to Pastor Jim Simbola, he said something about Scripture that I've never thought of before. And he referenced the seven letters in the book of Revelation. And here's what he said about those seven letters that I've never thought of. He said, Do you, have you ever thought about the fact that all those letters were written to seven different churches, but it wasn't one letter written to all seven churches, they all had an individual letter. They all had a letter talking about them specifically. It wasn't one letter they all passed around. There were seven churches, and there were seven different letters. And his point was this, what is God saying to your church? If God was writing a letter, what would he say to your congregation? I ask you this morning, if God was writing a letter to your life, what would he say to your life? What would he say over you specifically? Because whether you understand this or not, you are created for a reason. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God has a purpose and a plan and a destiny on your life. And God created you uniquely. You have a personality. Some people like it, some people don't. Amen? Come on, be honest. 
We have quirks about us. Do not look at your spouse right now. Neither look to the right nor to the left. Look straight ahead so you're not fighting in the car on the way home. We have quirks about us. We have different things about our personality. We were created differently. But I think we have to remind ourselves. I tell you this all the time, but when I put Benjamin to bed, my job is to put my two-year-old to bed every single night, and my prayer is the same. And part of the prayer every week is reminding him, or every night is reminding him that God has a purpose and a plan and a destiny for him because I want him to always growing up knowing that he was created for a reason that God created him because he meant for him to be in this earth in this moment in time and I believe God created our churches for the same thing I believe every church has a destiny every church has a purpose that God created our churches for a reason amen so here's the interesting thing. Every letter to the book of Revelation had a few things in it. Most of them talk about who God is, but there was two things specifically in most of them. The, the, the two things is most every letter except one had an encouragement, something you're doing well. Laodicea failed the test. They did not have anything encouraging. So Laodicea was the only one out of all the letters that did not have an encouraging word. He went straight to what they were doing wrong. All the, and every other letter except one has something they were doing wrong. The only church that did not get that was Philadelphia. God loved their cheesesteak and so he left them alone. I'm just kidding. But, the, but Philadelphia did not get a rebuke. All the rest of them, he said, but I have this against you. And so this morning, I want to do something. I want to tell our story very quickly. I promise you it'll apply to your life. Stick with me. I just want to tell you our story. For those of you that haven't been here long or don't know it, I want to tell you our story. And then I want to get into what God is saying to us and for us. And then we're going to have prayer. Here's our story. This, this church began on August 25th, 1923, on 3rd and Apache over here in Purcell, Oklahoma, um, and the church stayed on that location for 89 years. Whenever we have a newcomer's lunch, I like to tell everybody I was the founding pastor of the church. I look really good for my age, okay? Because next year we will celebrate our 100th anniversary. Next year, this church has been here 100 years, next August. So clear your calendar, we're going to have a big day, that's next August. For 100 years, the church was on the same the same place for 89 years. In 2008, I became the pastor of the church. I was young, 27 years old, single, young, and the church was crazy to vote in a young guy like that. I don't know what they were thinking, but I'm glad they didn't think too much about it. All of them but one voted yes. One person voted no, and that's okay. I've forgiven them and moved on since then. So anyway, they all voted yes, and, and I got elected to be the pastor of the church. I'm the 33rd pastor of this church. And, and we, we began to grow. The church began to grow. The pastor before me was an amazing man by the name of J.L. Trammell. If you knew him, his son Barry is a sports writer for the state of Oklahoma. He's uh, actually um, uh, in the uh, hall, not, I guess Hall of Fame is what you call it for sports writing in Oklahoma. And his other son Terry will be here with us in a few weeks. And he has another son named Kerry. But anyway, J.L. Trammell was a pastor of this church before me. When Brother J.L. took over this church, it was declining. It was about to close its door. I had about five people People left. It was about to close the door. Owed everybody in town for different reasons. Brother J.L. became the pastor. He went around with a notebook around town, literally one of those legal pads, yellow legal pads, and he went to every business in town and asked them, does our church owe you anything? He made sure every debt was paid. He brought our church from a place of not having a good reputation. He brought it out of that, and he brought us to a place where people began to know who we were and realize that we love our community, and he, and he saved our church from having to close the doors. He passed away in August of 2007. In January of 2008, I became the pastor of the church. Over time, we began to grow. And by 2009 and 10, we were at a place where we were at about 90 people. The old sanctuary could hold, only hold about 120 people. 
You couldn't get more in there unless you literally went down. One funeral, we had about 150. We had people literally in every nook and cranny in the church. It would hold about 120 people with an overflow room. And so we were at about 90. We couldn't get any higher than that. We'd get to 100 and back and forth. We could not get any higher than that because of the place we were at. We had 15 parking spots. We were landlocked. We could not do anything else. We knew God was telling us to do something. God was telling us to go somewhere or to build, but we didn't know what to do. So for a year, we just began to pray about it. And one day, I got a call from the pastor of this building and he said and I, I didn't know why he was calling me we've been praying for over a year that God would do something I'm literally driving over here if you've ever been to our Walmart going to the lake you know out there on that road that there's steep embankments on both sides and I was driving down that road and he called me and he said would you be interested in buying our congregation and I almost veered off into the ravine I was so shocked because we've been waiting for a long time for God to open the door we were able to buy this property at, at, at the time appraised for around seven to eight hundred thousand dollars we were able to buy this swap properties and buy this for three hundred thousand dollars and a few years later within six or seven years we were totally debt free or maybe it was five years we were totally out of debt now and God has helped us pay off that debt Eventually, we went to two services, and right now, I'll say more about this at the end, but right now, we're at a place where, uh, depending on the week, we're filling this place up, and, and we're looking at, at ahead. So, God has done a great, amazing things. In the last almost 14, in the, almost 15 years, we have seen God do amazing things. We have people, seen people saved. We have seen people healed. We've seen people delivered. We've seen time and time again, God do something over and over and over again. Amen? And we're grateful for that. So here's my question to you. If God was writing us a letter, what would he say to us? What would he commend us for? And I want to say this to you. I believe, as I've already said, we are a place of healing. I believe this is a place... We we believe in physical healing. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes we are healed. But I believe we're also a place for God to heal people. I believe that God brings people here that need to be healed. That God isn't just trying to help your symptoms, but God wants to make you whole. God wants to change you and transform you. He wants you to realize you are a new creation in him. The old has passed away and the, all the new has come. And we are a place of healing. We are a place where people can come in and get healed from everything that's happened. Their heart can be healed. Their life can be healed and we are a place that believe that people are here so that God can heal them and restore them and make them whole. Amen. I believe God will also tell us we're a place of deliverance. We're a place that we believe that God wants to set the captive free. That you may walk in here bound with chains, but whenever you leave here, you can leave here a different person. I believe there are some Sundays, at least in the spirit, I believe I can hear the chains falling off people's lives. I can hear the chains of people's past. I can hear the chains of addiction, shame, and guilt. I can hear the, the, the chains that are on people falling off of people and we want to be a place of deliverance we want to be a place where the captives leave here knowing I am free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed amen amen I believe we're called to be a place of worship what's important to us is we have different people once again with different personalities and I get that but no matter what it is I'm a very passionate person okay doesn't matter if I'm playing Yahtzee or I'm watching a football game or I'm at church Okay, um, last night my family was asleep. I probably shouldn't say this because this reveals bitterness in my heart. But it's almost 11 o'clock at night. And that team from California with the coach that left us got beat. And I wanted to jump up and scream, hallelujah! 
But I knew my family would all wake up. And so inside, I'm over there doing this in the chair, excited, quietly trying to just be passionate about the fact that I don't care if we won or lost. He lost, and I was happy. Amen. Bitterness just re revealed. Amen. I need deliverance. I need help right now. Amen. You know what? I get that passionate about football, but that pigskin really never did anything for me. And I figure if I can do that, my personality, once again, not everybody's the same, then I have no reason glorifying God and lifting up his name because he has saved me. He has redeemed me. He's filled me with his Holy Spirit. He's changed me. He set me free. And so we believe in worship. We believe that we are called to worship, to magnify him and to lift him up, to come into this place and to realize that as we lift him up, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. He was lifted up on the cross 2,000 years ago. But you know what? We're still lifting him up and magnifying him and worshiping worshiping him and as we lift him up we believe people are being changed so we want this to be a house of worship where people can come in based on once again their personalities because I, I don't believe in pushing anything on anybody but I do believe in coming in and responding to who God is and worshiping him for who he is amen, amen. and I believe we're also called to be a place of his presence of his presence the one thing I like to say the story I like to tell is Jacob and Jacob goes to sleep at Bethel and in the sleep, in the, in the middle of the night, he has a dream. And in this dream, he sees a ladder coming from the heavens to the earth. And he sees the angels ascending and descending. And he wakes up from this dream in Bethel. And he says this, the presence of the Lord was here, and I didn't even know it. The Lord was here, and I didn't even realize it. He calls it Bethel, the house of the Lord. This is the house of the Lord because the Lord was here and I didn't know it. And what my prayer all the time over this building is this and this place is this, that we have people that come in here thinking they're just going to another church service. Coming in, maybe they know they need something, but they don't know what they need. But my prayer is they experience the presence of God. So when they walk out of here, they said the presence of God was there and I didn't even realize it. I didn't even know it. I didn't expect that to happen. We want people to have life change encounters with the presence of God. They leave here knowing. My prayer is people driving on I-35, people driving on Grant Street say, I don't know what it is about that place, but I just feel the presence of God even driving by. I feel the presence of God when I pull into the property. We want this place to be marked by God's presence. Here's what Moses said. I've quoted this many times, but Moses said this, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, if you're not going to go, I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay right here. If your presence doesn't go, I don't go. And God tells Moses, you go up and I will be with you. Listen, if we do this without God's presence, all we are is a holy huddle. All we are is another community group that meets on Sundays to have friends, to have a nice time, and to go through the motions. If all we do is show up and, and, and talk a little bit, sing a little bit, I go, I go to the Rotary Club, and I love the Rotary Club. It's, it's, it's been great for me networking. I enjoy it. But you know what? We sing in there. We talk in there. We actually even say a prayer in there. And if you know what, we come to church and we sing a little song and we say a little prayer and we do our little routine and we go on out the door, then all we've done is had, an, had another civic organization to get together. But I want to tell you something, when Jesus shows up, when his presence is there, and I know he's omnipresent, but I'm talking about the manifest presence of God. When the manifest presence of God shows up, there is nothing that you are going through that he can't conquer in the moment. And when you begin to experience his presence and my prayer 
matter is, we will always be a church marked by God's presence. Not marked by what denomination we're a part of. Not marked by who our name is on the billboard. Not marked by all kinds of man's opinions. But marked by the presence of God. Because His presence changes everything. Amen? At Rob's Ranch Monday night, I shared the scripture out of Mark, but I love this. This is one line. It, it, it was Jesus healing the man uh, from the roof, but it says, it was heard that he was in the house. And I love that line because when Jesus is in the house, everything is different. When Jesus shows up, everything is different. And I want us to recognize the moment. We've, we, we, listen, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is among us. We don't, we don't have a, a kingdom here like they do in England and those areas. But whenever the monarch shows up, everything changes. The protocol is different. The way people act is different. They, the way they stand, what, what they do. And listen, we need to recognize when we come in here, we are coming into the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we honor him for who he is. And we want to be a church marked by God's presence, that his presence is with us. Amen? Okay, that's all the good stuff. Now, what would he warn us? I don't want to say against us because I don't think God's mad at us, but what would he tell us? And just three things this morning I believe the Lord would say to us. Number one is this, don't get settled. Don't get settled. One of the problems, I think, with a lot of churches and a lot of people in general is we get to a place that's comfortable and we get settled. Things get better. They're not the best, but they're better than they were, and we stay there in that place. We get settled. And all of a sudden, in a place of settlement, your ego begins to grow because you begin to think, hey, I got this figured out now. I'm good. I'm okay. I don't need people. I don't need all this stuff. I'm good. And if a church, if we're not careful, we will get to the place where we settle for good when God's got great in store for us. We settle, we settle for better when God's got best in store for us. We settle because things are going good. Everything's, hey, the church is growing. People are being saved. People are being bad. Baptized, let's settle right there. But listen, we are not called to settle. One of the things I love about the Psalms is the Psalms is full of people that are actively pursuing the presence of God. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. David cries out and he says, early will I seek you. Listen to me. I want you to know the, the Psalm is full of people that were going passionately after the presence of God. And we as a church refuse to settle. God says to us, don't settle where you're at now because I have more in store for you. Don't be okay with how things are now because I've got greater for you, greater works than these you're going to do. And I've got some things in store for you. And in your own life, I want to encourage you, don't settle where you're at right now. Don't be settled with where you're at with your relationship with God. How can you know him in greater ways? How can you experience him? You've got to run after him. You've got to chase after him. You've got to long for his presence. And as you do, God will reveal himself to you in greater ways. Amen? Three of you like that. Amen. I think it's good. Pursue him. Run after him. There's a book I read years ago by Tommy Tenney called God Chasers. And that book is about the understanding what it means to chase after the presence of God. And when you begin to understand, we can't settle for where we're at. I don't want, I don't want to settle there's an old song that says, Satisfied with Jesus. And I get the point of it. And the song is, I like the song, listen to it, I had no problem. But just that idea, I'm satisfied. 
And, this, and I get the sense that I'm satisfied in the sense that I'm saved and I'm glad of that. But listen to me. I'm not ever satisfied with where I'm at in my relationship with God. I want to know more about Him. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want things to be different in my life. I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I want a holy hunger inside of me. I want to wake up hungry every day for more of Him. I want to wake up hungry every day for more of His presence, more of His glory. And as I go after Him, so Landmark Church, don't settle where we're at now. Let's go after God together. Let's run after Him together and let's experience Him in greater ways. Amen? Amen. Amen. So number one, don't settle. Number two, I believe God would say continue to let Him build this house. Psalms 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain that build it. Here's the problem. The moment we start trying to build it ourselves without him being a part of it, it will be destroyed. Do you realize every great revival in the world, and this is my opinion, every great revival that has ever happened has been destroyed because people got their hands in it. You go back and study every revival that has happened for centuries, but it, the Lord started it and the Lord was building it. But man began to get in there and try to control it and manipulate it. We're going to do it this way. We're going to have these things. And with time, all those revivals ended. Now, you may say, preacher, I believe those things were only meant for a season, and that's fine. But I'm telling you this, when man got their, their hands on it is when it got messed up. And if we're not careful, what begins to happen? God begins to move. I believe we're in revival in this church right now. Revival is not coming. I believe revival is here. We're seeing people saved all the time, baptized all the time. I believe it's here. But the moment we start trying to manipulate it and control it, the moment we start trying to get our hands on it and try to say this is what it needs to be, then all of a sudden that's the moment God's presence runs out the door. I want to tell you, we are called not to manipulate and control, but let God build his house. Let God do what he wants to do. Let God be in control. That God, this is your place. This is your what, what you want to happen. And as we begin to live that way and say, God, unless you, listen, your own life, unless God builds your house, unless God, then you labor in vain that build it. But whenever you surrender and you turn the reins over to God and you let him build you the way he wants to build you, then he will create you to be who he wants you to be. And we are called to not try to do it ourselves, but to continue to let God do it in us and through us. Amen. And then number three, the worship team can join me. Number three, be ready for our next. Everybody say next. Look at your neighbor and say next. Be ready for our next. Here's the thing I've learned. Let me teach you a principle. I had a friend who's told me this a couple times. I've heard it years ago. But let me teach you this principle. New levels many times bring new devils. New levels bring new devils. And here's the thing. We think we get to a certain place. If you, ever, if you grew up like in my generation, I was, the, I was right after the Atari generation. I was kind of the in-between. Um, the Atari was out, and then I, I was the generation that, right after I was born, the original Nintendo came out. I mean, the kind you had to blow on to get it to work. You had to hit the edge of it, you know, and, like, knock it in, get it to work. Mike Tyson punch out, all those good games, okay? But I remember playing the original Mario, and, you know, I was always the guy that would try to go through the the, the cheat and go to the extra levels, you know, ahead of time instead of going level to level to level. But if you ever went through there, each level at a time, it got progressively harder. 
certain levels had those flaming things spinning around everywhere. I mean, every level was more difficult for a different reason because new levels bring new devils. We think we got this figured out. We're good. Everything's good. We're good at this place. But then God says, I want something else for you. And when you begin to step into that, you begin to face something you've not faced before. You're dealing with something you've not dealt with before because new levels can bring new devils. But here's the thing. I believe what God has for us is a next. In other words, he's not done. And you know what? Some churches, some preachers won't stand up and talk about this kind of stuff until they got all the plans worked out. And they, they want to stand up. I've met with the board and we've got all these plans and we know exactly what's going to happen next. And, we're, and I'll be honest with you, and I hope the board doesn't mind me saying this. If not, they have a meeting this week they can get on to. I don't have any idea exactly what next is in this sense. We're running out of space in this place. It's fall break and the weather's not the greatest outside, so not this morning particularly. But we are running out of space in this place. And I don't know what that means for us. We're trying to explore and think about that. Why does that matter? It's not about numbers. Don't misunderstand me. I have never sat at a board and told the, our staff, we better have this many people by this time or you're in trouble. Or this is our goal. We want to have this many people by this certain time. We've never been driven by numbers because the moment we get driven by numbers and we begin to get into that game, then all of a sudden it becomes a, a, a game instead of it being the, the natural presence of God, of God drawing people here by His presence. But God taught us years ago, you got to prepare for what I want to do. I believe God wants this church to be a light to our community. And I believe God wants our reach and our expand to go far beyond even here. we got to prepare for that. I don't know what our next, but I do know this. I know the devil wants to always stop your next. He wants to block you from what God has for you next. He wants to block this church. He'll try to do everything he can to bring in division and bring in problems. He will do everything he can to try to destroy what God has for us. But we stand today and we say, you know what? We know who is with us. We know who is strength us, we know who is guiding us and the presence of God goes before us, he's going to take care of the enemy, we sang it earlier every single battle, God has already won, he's always won so all we have to do is stay in line, all we have to do is stay in step with him the steps of a good man the steps of a church are ordered by the Lord, I believe God guides our steps, God tells us where to go and as long as we listen to him, we have a next, we we can't settle for where we're at right now. We've got to say, okay, God, because here's the thing. There's one more soul out there that needs to hear about Jesus. There's one more soul out there that's wrapped up in problems and chains, and they need to be set free. There's still one more person that needs to know the good news that God is for them and not against them. They need the good news that God loves them, and he wants to set them free. And I believe we're called to your next is going to be easy because once again there are going to be some devils Paul the apostle I mean we'd all admit he's a great man of God right Paul said God has opened up an effectual open door a fervent open door for me but there are many adversaries Paul said that the Lord's opened the door for me the Lord opened it you'd say well Lord if you open the door why are you letting some adversaries
God doesn't promise us we won't have adversity. God doesn't promise we won't have issues. But He has opened the door and we're called to walk through it. And even though there's adversity, even though there's things coming against us, we choose to walk through that door. And some of you need to realize God is opening a door for you right now in your life. God is opening up a place for you to be able to go and experience things you've never experienced before. For you to know Him in greater ways. There will be adversity. There will be problems. There will be temptations. There will be trials. But when you begin to realize, God, if you've called me to this, you will strengthen me. You will do it. Would you stand to your feet? Let me end with this as you're standing. Jesus said this many times in the book of Revelation, that he is walking among the golden lampstands. In other words, his pre- he's telling the churches, my presence is here. And this morning, I believe God just wants to tell us His presence is with us. Whatever you're facing today, He is with you. I want us to do something.